Amen. Well, we're on, so let's pray. Father, thank you for this time together this evening. Thank you, Father, for um, a wonderful 2018, and Father, for uh, the new year that's now before us. Father, just a couple of days into it. Father, thank you so much for all the men and women in this room, their faithfulness, Lord. Uh, not, not to me, not to this class, but Father, their faithfulness to you and to your word and to what you're doing in their lives, their faithfulness to discipleship and the uncommon commitment that it is, Father. So thank you. Um, Father, see some family and, and spend some time, Lord, some travel, Lord, and I thank you that we're all back now safe and sound and uh, our hearts, Father, leaning into you tonight. Thank you for all those who are watching us now, Father, uh, through the live streaming technology, and Lord, we just pray over all this technology. Father, thank you for blessing us with it, and we just believe, Father, that it'll, it'll work uh, as intended tonight, and that folks' heart will be touched and blessed, Lord, because of it. Um, Father, thank you for your Holy Spirit, Lord, His presence in this room, His, his uh, indwelling, uh, abiding presence in our lives, Father. I thank you that He's our teacher. We humble ourselves, submit ourselves to Him tonight. We ask, Father, that He lead us and guide us into the truth that you have prepared for us. Give us eyes to see, ears to hear, hearts to understand. Father, may we receive truth tonight that will transform our lives by the renewing of our minds. Lord, uh, change the very future that awaits us. And we thank you for it in Jesus' name. Amen. Exactly how Amen. And um, so if, if we were all starting uh, back school, uh, it'd be second semester. So second semester discipleship class. We've got 18 classes to go. And um, some ask, well, you know, am I joining it too late? If this is your first night, welcome, and it's never too late. And we believe that Father's going to uh, speak to your heart and life. Amen. I want to just put the website up tonight as we begin, hccnow.org. And that's uh, for everybody, but specifically for those who uh, watch this class, um, either live or by recording. Um, our last class, we had some kind of technical glitch, and it, it stopped recording. Um, but the audio uh, of the entire class is available at hccnow.org, so uh, it's pretty self-explanatory when you go to the class, and that would have been class number 18. And um, man, I really do want you to access that if you only got the first. important question, and that question is, is this, what is man? Um, we said before we can ever know uh, who we are or why we are, we got to know what we are. Amen. And ultimately, our, our you know, our identity is linked to, uh, you know, this question of, of who we are, our identity. And, and we said that identity unlocks destiny. Um, you'll never know your purpose until you know your identity um, because your purpose is so grand um, that uh, if you don't at least have some understanding of who you are, you'll never think God's talking about you when he's talking about why you exist and, and why you were created. But we said there's a question even that precedes those two, and that is this fundamental question of, of what are we? And we said that this coincides with our origin. So you have origin... Uh, identity, purpose, uh, in the three questions, what am I, who am I, why am I? And so in the course of us answering this question, what is man, the first thing we said was that 
man is a God-class being. I'm not going to review all these, just mention them briefly. The second thing we said is that man is a spirit being. And, you know, again, the devil gains advantage over us through our ignorance. Um, I heard Keith Moore say uh, over the Christmas break, he said that you can be brilliant and ignorant. Ignorant and dumb, not the same thing, okay? Um, ignorant means to not know. Amen. And so you can be brilliant about a lot of And the Bible clearly says that you know, we're not, we can't be ignorant of the devil's devices in 2 Corinthians 2.11, lest that give him an advantage over us. Because the devil operates through deception and lies. Um, anything that we don't know or understand about God and the way he created us to live equals an advantage to the enemy. You know, it makes it easier for him to lie to us. makes it easier for him to um, deceive us. Okay? I know this is really silly. I, I skipped over it when we got to this before, but I'll mention it now. It just popped up in my spirit. Amen? Um, if I was to tell you that there was a law passed and it began effective uh, January 1, 2019, that the order of traffic signals is now reversed, um, that red now means uh, go, and uh, green now means stop. Well, obviously that's not true. Um, and that lie would be powerless over you unless you believed it, right? And so it's only when, you know, to deceive means to believe something to be true that's not true. Um, and so the more we know the truth, the more difficult it is for the enemy to deceive us and affect um, his purposes, uh, his will, if you will, in our lives. So again, we cannot be ignorant of the devil's devices. And one of the key things that the devil takes advantage of in our lives is, is our ignorance of the truth that we are a spirit being. He wants you to think of yourself as either a flesh-only being or at least a flesh-first being. So even if you understand things about spirit and spiritual things and, and, and you being a spiritual being, entity, what have you, the devil still wants you to think of that as secondary at best and that you should think of your flesh and he wants you to think of your flesh as, as, as being the real you or, or the primary uh, aspect of your existence. And it's simply not. Amen. Uh, the part of you that's flesh is... The only part of you that's temporary, amen, the part of you that is soul and the part of you that is spirit, that part of you is eternal. And that's the real you. That's the part of you that was born again. It's the part of you that's become one with God. And um, so the more we begin to understand ourselves as a spirit being. See, there's all kinds of things that are impossible for, for flesh, that are physically impossible. But when our natural uh, connects with God's super, amen, we, we are supernatural beings, amen, one with God. And so all things are possible, the Bible says, to him who believes. All right, so the one that... ...legal authority on earth. Man is the legal authority on earth. Again, our ignorance equals the devil's advantage where this point is concerned. He wants uh, you uh, and me to think of ourselves as just... Uh, What's the famous Kansas song, Dust in the Wind? Um, you know, that we're, we're just at the mercy of anything that comes along and that really uh, we have no say-so and, and, and nothing we can do to change anything. And 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 it's um, why so many people talk about luck. Everybody um, talks about, you know, something good happens to somebody, lucky, you know, uh, something, something bad happens to somebody, unlucky, you know. And, and listen, luck has nothing to do with it, okay? Uh, we don't live by chance. And, and, but see, 
if, if we don't understand that we're the legal authority here, remember God wondered that he could not find anybody on planet earth to cooperate with him because uh, he owns this planet, but we have the lease, amen, here. And so in the same way, a landlord who owns a property but has leased it to, to someone else, um, even for that landlord to enter that property to help to, to fix a toilet, right? He's got to get permission from those who have the lease. And so we are the gates, right? Hey, Amen. Well, I want to go back. I almost went back to that in the Passion Translation. We're moving on tonight, right? But, but he says, lift up your heads, O ye gates, so that the King of glory can come in. And, and he's talking about our hearts, our lives, being the portal through which he gains access into the affairs of life, into the affairs of, of mankind here upon this planet. Again, what you bind on earth, having already been bound in heaven, will be affected here upon the earth. Whatever you lose, whatever you allow. See, everybody's talking about what God allows. No, see, it's not what God allows, what you allow. Everybody talks about we're waiting on God. No, no, no. See, we, we again, because we don't understand we're legal authority, we're think we're, we think we're waiting on God when God's actually waiting upon us. Amen. To get in alignment with Him and to get into cooperation with Him. All right. Um, so we finished up last week with some pretty strong things. And um, I'm, I'm glad that, uh, and I've, I've had some positive feedback from some, from some folks who watched the class and, and, and listened to the class. But two fundamental things that we said. Number one, not everything that happens on planet Earth is God's will. And number two, not everything that is God's will automatically happens on planet Earth. Okay. Now, again, if, if you were raised like me, believing that everything that comes along is God's will, and even the hard things that don't seem to make sense are somehow magically, deliciously God's will, and, and, and you all, you know, it's his ways are harder than your ways, brother. You know, we just, we misquote that verse and take it out of context. We take all things work together for good out of context. It says all things work together for good, not to everybody, but to the good of those who, who love him. Amen. And are called according to his purpose. Praise God. And so there are things that the, that the enemy does in way of attacking us, but if we don't back away from you know, of the will of God in faith, all he's going to succeed in doing is, is making us stronger, right? And what the enemy meant for evil, and we see this in Scripture, God has the ability, the supernatural ability, to turn what the enemy meant for evil, turn the tables against the enemy, and in the end, when the dust settles, it actually turning out to be a, 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 bless, a blessing and, and even something that prospers us in our lives. Amen. Are you with me tonight? And, uh, and so notice now, God will actually come to the scene of the crime in our lives, and get busy, and bring something good out of something miserable, amen, uh, and run the risk of getting blamed for the miserable. He didn't do the miserable, he had nothing to do with the miserable, amen. And well, brother, you know, God is in control, amen. No, God's in control in heaven, right? God's in control in heaven, and he gave you and me control of this planet. We're at the wheel down here, Amen. And of course, without him, we can never do what, what is needed here. But with him, amen, and I'm not without him tonight. Without him, I can do nothing. Without him, you can do nothing. But I'm not without him. Amen, you're not without him anymore. And, uh, and so thank God. So we're the legal authority here. We need to understand that. We looked at some passages, two in particular in Luke, uh, that both pertain to Jerusalem. In one situation, God's chosen people, uh, and that, that, that jewel of a city that was Jerusalem, um, we see where Jesus what was going to happen in A.D. 70, basically 40 years from the day that Jesus rode in on the back of the donkey. And he clearly said, if you had only known, if you'd only listened, 
if you'd only recognized your hour of visitation, and if you'd only received and embraced and internalized those things that would have made for your peace, that would have made for your shalom. Shalom means nothing missing, nothing lacking, nothing broken. Things that would have created an entirely different future for you. He said, but now they're still hidden from your eyes. And the window of opportunity is closing for them to hear something and change something that would have rewritten the future that waited for them. Now there are people who say, well, God was just, you know, Jesus. Well, listen, no. Um, certainly how they treated Jesus. But it wasn't God punishing them for what they did. God sent Jesus to try to avert it, to try to, to, try to keep it, prevent it from happening. But they wouldn't listen to Him. They wouldn't receive Him. They wouldn't allow Him to teach them what would have made for them and for their families an entirely different future. Right? We talked about that unique and strategic Praise God. Well, He's teaching us things now that are going to make a difference in our future. I, listen, I know I've shared this probably to the point that people are tired of hearing me share it, but, but um, without going into extreme detail, I just woke up, man, the Holy Spirit brought, brought my, my mind back um, to my five-time-removed great-grandfather, Samuel Winslet. He was an orphan in London. He stole a deer from a man who raised deer like people would raise, raise cattle. And that man was going to make, a, make an example out of him, and, and he prosecuted him. And he was sentenced to death by hanging. Some, some unknown man, some unknown man, went before King George and interceded on this young orphan uh, boy named Samuel Winslet on his behalf, and the king gave him the option to come to the new world and work off his, work off his punishment. You realize, I don't even know who that man is. I believe he's in heaven. I, you know, pure religion and undefiled is to care for the widows and the orphans, right? And, and, and so somebody went, on, went before the most powerful man on planet earth to inter, intercede on behalf of a little orphan, right? Who happens to be my great-grandfather five times removed. Now, the point, I'm, the point I'm making here is that because that man, in, in a simple act of kindness on behalf of someone who had no power to do anything for him in return. I'm here before you preaching the gospel tonight. I'm here before you teaching and, and sharing. Amen. It's, it's, so again, we have no idea what God is going to do 20 generations from now in your family because you didn't sleep in, because you didn't sit in front of a TV tonight, but you decided to come and hear and learn something that would have made a difference in your life and therefore made His return to the earth, the difference that it's gonna that it's gonna make. Amen, amen. And I, I, the context of this was the Lord. He's he's gentle, but he's he's firm, and he let me know that that there's there's eternal ramifications involved in me finishing the boat that I should have already finished. I'm repenting before you and before him. And he's like, son, you don't understand. You don't understand the difference. If this book makes a difference in one person's life, twenty generations of people can be affected. That, that would not have been affected, right? Amen. And you know what I'm saying? So I don't praise God anymore. Amen. So, praise God. This, this isn't just let's, let's just try to tolerate one more discipleship class and see if we can't finish this thing. There's, there's generations and nations hanging in the balance. There's destiny here. Amen. 
And, and we've been in here long enough. We, we haven't known these things long enough. Praise God. Amen. But there's a voice now, and God's speaking to you. And He's got your attention. Thank God for it. And, and, and it's, there's so much more. Only eternity will tell the whole story. Only eternity will tell the whole story. And, uh, and so thank God for it. But, but again, it wasn't God's will that these people suffer. It wasn't God's will that Jerusalem be destroyed. It was God's will that Jerusalem flourish and Uh, we see where God desired to gather them to Himself like a mother gathers a chick, like a mother hen gathers her chicks. But it never happened. He said, because they were not willing. You would not. You were not willing. Amen. So we can't just blanket statement anything and everything that happens as being God's will. Because things happen all the time on planet Earth that are not God's will. Not what God wanted. Not what God chosen. Not what God has written in the book that has your name on the spine of it. Amen. And there are all kinds of things that God desires to happen. Amen. That do not happen. Again, not because He does to Him and to His will. Turn with me to James chapter 1. James chapter 1, verse 17. Amen. I took a little more time reviewing all that than I had planned, but amen. I just I want you to grab hold of these things. Amen. Thank you, Jesus. James chapter 1. and We'll just uh, we'll look at one verse. Praise God. Amen. God is not a puppet master. Do you understand? A friend of mine, Richard Presswood, and he's, he's watching or listening right now. He said something to me, um, let's see, I believe it was either the 30th or the 23rd, I think it may have been the 23rd, on a Sunday morning after service, and Richard drives up here from uh, the coast, from Fairhope down Mobile area, businessman down there, he's like an older brother to me and my brother, and, um, and he said something that, that really, it, I hadn't been able to shake it, I believe it was, it was, you know, again, we're not ignorant. We are being bombarded. We are being overwhelmed with information. And so, right? Uh, and, 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 and so, the devil, That process. And that's where we get so many crazy, cockamamie ideas about everything is God's will, right? I mean, if I was to climb up on the roof of this building and jump off, would it be God's will? But, you know, we, we have, you know, to understand our place as legal authority on the earth and what that translates into in our lives on a moment-by-moment, day-by-day 
basis. Praise God. Life on planet Earth is choice-driven. It's choice-driven. Am I right about this? Think about that for a moment. Life on planet Earth is choice-driven. Now, those in the past who brought up, well, Pastor Mark, God knows everything. Him knowing doesn't mean He is the puppet master pulling the strings. He may know what you're going to choose, but that doesn't mean He's chosen it for you. Are you following what I'm saying? But you, you, and, and, the, and I think one of the last things that, that we said the last time we were together, the week before last, was, was what does it say about a God even, even when He knows some, someone is never going to change, that He still does everything He can to get them to change. Right? Amen. So, don't let this idea that because He knows automatic pilot where you're concerned. It's not the case. Amen. It's not the case. Alright, James chapter 1 and uh, verse... gift and every perfect gift is from above and comes down from the Father of lights with whom there is no variation or shadow of turning. Now, um, the, the King James, that's not to it, but let me, let me put it on the screen and read it to you. Every good gift and every perfect gift is from above and cometh down from the Father of lights so, New King James Version says variation. King James Version says variableness, neither shadow of turning. All right? So, let's nail down a few things along the way. First, your life is in your life right now or will be in your life in the future has come from God. It's time to give Him credit. It's time to give Him thanks. It's time to recognize that you've never experienced one second of good that God was not behind or responsible for in some way. Amen. All right, now see, we, we already got technical issues and nobody's telling me. Praise God. When did that do that? Just now. Okay. All right. Amen. Amen. Brian's praying over technology with me. Praise God. We're praying over it. Thank you, Jesus. Amen. All right. I know the same time as you. All right. Thank you. All right. Let's get back at it here now. All right. There we go. All right. So every good gift and every perfect gift is from above. Amen. And cometh down from the Father of lights. Now, we talk about the... Yes, sister. Okay. Okay. You're fine. No joke. So, fix have a baby. Um, that's, it's not that the, the baby wasn't God's will. It's just the method of having that baby. God uh, in, instructed, right? In other words, that you know, His best is uh, is for the two to be married before they enter into that uh, sexual relationship. Okay, um, but still, that life comes from Him. Amen. And and He, he wasn't surprised. In other words, oh my gosh, where'd that kid come from? You know, no, no. It, we might have been, but he wasn't. Absolutely. Absolutely, okay? Uh, my, my darling wife's uh, in, in the back of the room. Her sister's 13 years older than her, and her brother's 16 years older than her. So obviously, she was a surprise uh, to her mom and dad, but was no surprise to God. Amen. Um, and so, you know, and we see even, like, different situations. Like, man, look at, like, uh, Ishmael, for an example. You know what I'm saying? I mean, 
Wow, you know. But yet God blessed Ishmael, even though, you know, Abraham's trying to fulfill the promise of God by having sex with, with uh, Sarah's servant girl and all this other stuff, you know. Um, we see in the, clearly in the Old Testament where God told the kings to only have one wife. So much for that, right? They had all these wives and children and stuff. I, you know, and when we say God's will, obviously, you know, what pleases Him, what, what's His best, okay? Let, let me, I know this isn't the, isn't the same. Um, God hates divorce. See, religious people have told us that and, and hammered that into our heads. But why does He hate divorce? Because divorce hurts people. Divorce hurts people, right? Amen. See, we, words, we got this whole idea is God hurts divorce. Families and children and people and things. And so even in the same way, when, we, when we're talking about sex outside of marriage, this has an effect on us as individuals. It soul ties and all, all these things, right? So everything that God's ever said to us, every commandment He's ever given to us, it's been with our best interest in mind. Not because He's trying to keep us from something good, Right, but but trying to protect us from something that that could be painful or, or harmful or damaging uh, to us. Right, amen. But certainly, God loves the child and has a plan for the child, and 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 you know can go that child can go on to greatness. I saw another hand back there somewhere. Yes, sister. Oh, absolutely. Well said. Absolutely. Yeah. Absolutely. Definitely. And, but but even even in those harsh situations. Exactly. No, exactly. And, and so, you know, again, the letter kills, is what the Bible says, but the Spirit gives life. And so many times we, we get so caught up in the letter of, of, of what God has said um, that we miss His heart behind it, right? And, 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 and the heart behind it is love. The heart behind it is God wants what's best for you. Amen. And, and so, so many times, you know, we get so caught up in, in, in being so quick to judge people and so quick to, you know, try to throw stones and stuff without ever even considering, you know, what is the heart behind these things that God has spoken and, and why has He spoken them? So it's a, it's a, it's a great point. It's a great, great point. And, and so, again, we, we, can, we can make poor decisions and God can bring something good from it, right? If, you know, we talked about... Um, we talked about the first time, I know it's been a while, but we talked about the first time I drove with a GPS. And I was just like amazed by it. You know, I'm like looking out the sunroof, like how do these people know where I am? You know what I'm saying? I mean, I, you know. And so then I decide, I, I was in Franklin, Tennessee going to Costco. And, and Pam's in the, in the car with me. And I just decided, it was telling me how many feet take a right. I just took a quick left. I just gonna see why see, there's no way. I mean, I'm thinking, well, somehow it's programmed in logarithm, whatever. There's no way they know exactly where I am. Took a quick left, right? It, the screen goes black, then it comes back up, and it's you know recalculate. I thought, uh huh. See, I outsmarted it. Then all of a sudden, it starts. In other words, I took a wrong turn, but it still knew my destination, and so it started telling me the turns to take to get back to where I was originally headed, right? And so we can take wrong turns, but God is a big God. He knows where we're supposed to be. And if we take three left turns that we should have never taken, He can still get you to where you're supposed to be with or without children you weren't supposed to have right yet, ever, right? He's a big God. Amen. So that comes back to puppet master. You see what I'm saying? He's not up here, you know, 
again, it, it's, it, well, you know, God made me sleep. I don't know how. I just wound up naked in bed with her. I don't know how that happened. No, we, we know how that happened, right? Yeah. Amen. Um, and, but again, <laughs> amen. Um, it was choices that we made, right? It was choices that we made. <laughs> amen. I feel my face get a little red. I don't even know why. Amen. All right. Amen. But I guarantee you, God didn't take your clothes off of you, right? Amen. He didn't do it. All right. Praise God. All right. James, James chapter 1 and verse 17. Let me get back where I'm supposed to be. Every good gift and every perfect gift is from above and comes down from the Father of lights, with whom is no variableness, neither shadow of turning. All right, so every good thing comes from Him. Let's talk about that last phrase, neither shadow of turning. It's a, it's a sundial term. Okay, so we've got all kind of watches and timepieces now, but in their day, um, the primary timepiece was a sundial. And how sundial works, it casts a shadow. But when the sun is exactly at its highest point in the sky, which would be 12 noon, there's no shadow of turning on the sun is at its peak. It's at its highest, and, 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 you know, directly over that. And so it's casting no shadows. That's how you know um, it's, it's high noon. Okay? So that's this concept of no shadow of turning. So what he's saying here, think about it for a moment, is that God is always at the peak of His glory. God is always at His highest and best. We're not necessarily always at our highest and best, but God is always at His highest and best. He never wakes up on the wrong side of the bed. He never goes into a slump. He never has a bad day. He's, he never gets in a bad mood. Are you understand what I'm saying? Amen. So He's always at the peak of His glory. He is, we could say it this way, always at a constant state of glorified love and goodness where we are concerned. Okay? So with Him, there is no variableness. There is no variableness. Alright? So, we understand then that in life, there are things that vary. In other words, there are variables in life. Right? This happens to this person. This happens to this. And it all seems so random. Right? Um, and, and, and so many times, all these random things happening, um, we say, well, you know, you just, God is a mysterious God. You, know, you never know what God's going to do. You know? And of course, my answer to that is, it sure would have been nice if you had written us a book you know, so we could know what he was going to do. But he, he did write us one, right? Okay, so, and, we, and what we find in this book that he wrote for us is that he's always at the peak of his glory. He's always, I mean, no disrespect, all caps, he's always on his game. He's always, man, I'm telling you, He's right there. Amen? I mean, He is right there. Praise God. I mean, I'm thinking about all these bowl games I've watched that some of them just shocked me, right? Where these teams come in and just, you know, whatever. Amen. Well, God doesn't, God, God doesn't you know, like take three weeks off and then come, come in, you know, in a slump on a, you know, uh, trying to work the kinks out of an offense or whatever. I mean, He's always there. Okay? So that means if there is variableness... It's on our side of the equation and not his. Okay? Now, who remembers the first time 
you looked at a math equation that had a letter in it. Right? And I just put a simple one up on the screen. Uh, 10 plus X equals. Well, I'm like, you know, what's the deal here, you know, putting letters in my math? Amen. But this X represents what? It represents a variable. And the only way that you're going to understand the outcome is to understand the variable. So if X equals 10, then 10 plus X equals 20. But if X equals 4, then 10 plus X equals 14. Are you following what I'm saying? If, if, if X equals minus 100, then 10 plus X equals a negative 90. So what we have in this simple equation is a constant and a variable. And when it comes to your life equation, there is a constant. His name is God. And then there are variables. Let me say it another way. You hold all the variables. Amen. You hold all the variables. Are you following what I'm saying here? See, listen, I'm not trying... There are some folks, man, I teach this to, and they are like, Woo -hoo! and there's other folks, man, they're so mad at me, they're ready to spit, right? Because again, and I never understood it, because I was one of those, when I first heard this and learned this, I was like, man, praise God. So you mean there's something I can do that will improve my financial position? You mean there's something I can do to experience more joy, more health, more prosperity, and more wisdom in my life. You mean there are variables that I can understand and live my life according to that will cause me to live in a greater level of success, a greater level of, of, of victory, a greater level of freedom, a greater level of wholeness. Man, I was like... Thank you. I was so happy. And I, and I never could understand this. I never, I was I was a young youth pastor, man. I was teaching these things. I was so excited, man. I thought, man, these folks, they're going to they're gonna be so happy to hear this. They did not want to hear it. Right? Because, see, again, it's so convenient just to say that God is the variable. That God is the wild card in our lives. That we never know what the joker's going to do, right? No, no, see, that's not, that's not it. He is always at the peak of His glory. He is always at His highest and best. He is always love. Even when it comes to an, an interpretation of end time events. Amen. Let me tell you something. Any understanding you have the book of Revelation that factors out God is love is a wrong interpretation. And this world is going to be judged. This is going to be judged by love. He's, this world is going to be judged by love. God is love. Not just that He's loving us right now, but one day He's going to get the love off and get the mad on. No, He is love. Love can get angry. Amen. But He's still love. Amen. So God is always at the peak of His glory. His, His desire for you is always good. Amen. So the variables are all in our hands. See, again, woo, you know, it's like, well, you know, Keith Moore says it this way. He, he says that, that the world is looking for what he calls a no-fault religion. In other words, where we can blame God or the devil or both on everything and we take responsibility for nothing, for nothing. Right? How convenient, right? But see, that's, that, that is an ignorance of what is man. Man is the legal authority on this earth. So, you, you can, 
you can resist this, but it's futile. Or you can embrace this and realize that the Bible says, give and it will be given unto you. If you need money, quit being selfish. I'm not here to take up an offering. I'm not trying to get your money from you. Listen to me. Give and it will be given unto you. Good measure, pressed down, shaken together, and running over. How about this one? If you give sparingly, you will reap sparingly. If, if you sow a three-foot-by-three-foot three piece of ground, you know, with questionable sunlight uh, of corn, right, versus, uh, you know, a hundred acres of corn in the heart of Iowa, are you following what I'm saying? So, if you give sparingly, the Bible says, you will reap sparingly. But if you give bountifully, you will reap bountifully, and God will cause all grace to abound towards you so that you will have more than enough and be able to give to every good work. Because He is constant. What we give, see, is the variable. It's the variable. Are you following me? Amen. See, His desire is for you. As a matter of fact, He's already said that you know all things. The variable is how much priority do we put on His Word? How much of a priority on, on asking for Him for and receiving from Him wisdom? Amen. Are you, you follow? It's the most neglected prayer request. God, James 1.5. He'll give to all men liberally. He's no respecter of persons. So, Diligently seek Him. Diligently seek Him is a variable. It's a variable. So, <laughs> amen, small or even negative variables, right, are going to result in, you know, small and negative results in our lives. But again, Here's the thing, and I and I try. I know this sounds. To thank God, this time intensity, this time gusto, and what we went after. was nothing for you. <clears throat> nothing. And now all of a sudden, two services on a Sunday is too much to ask. You see? You see what I'm saying? My friend, that's called a variable. Because we have the ability to change things. We have the ability, absolutely. Because we're legal authority. Jesus says, asking and seek and keep seeking, knock and keep knocking, right? That's the tense, ask, seek, and knock, but the, the tense that he used in the Greek was, was ongoing. Ask and keep asking. You have not because you ask not. Asking is a variable. Faith is a variable. Hope is a variable. Love is a variable. Faith works by love. Faith gives substance to the things hoped for in your heart. No hope, nothing for your faith to give substance to. No love operating in your life. No fuel for the engine that is your faith. All these are variables. 
We just sit around and see somebody getting their socks blessed off and say, God, that's not fair. You have no idea what that person's doing. You have no idea what that person's giving. You have no idea what that person's praying. You have no idea what time that individual's getting up in the mornings and seeking God when nobody's watching. But what did he say? He said, you go into your secret place and you pray to your Father in secret. Our variables. But oh my goodness, when God starts filling in this blank right here, see, everybody starts seeing that now. Everybody starts seeing that. It's like, man, lucky. No, see, nothing to do with luck. Has to do with well played variables. Well played variables. Hallelujah. I've seen folks that, I've seen folks, you know, come out of long-term addiction that didn't know, um, you know, if Hezekiah was a book in the Bible or not, and it ain't, okay, so just amen. All right. Um, didn't know nothing about God, right? Lay hold of the things of God. Go after the things of God with gusto and passion and determination and diligence. And literally, I mean, grow and prosper. God giving them cars and houses and jobs and... I mean, it's just amazing to watch. And other folks sit back, you know, there's nothing that works out for me. I don't know why. You know. See, again, there's variables here. A lot of times we don't, we don't know what's going on with somebody in their life. You understand what I'm saying? I usually just do verses, but I wanted to put it up here. We hold, not some of them, we hold all the variables. If we go back to the, uh, if we go back to the equation, right? And, and the idea that, you know, a perfect 10 on a scale of 1 to 10, God's a 12, but I got that already. But I'm just saying, if 10 is all that a thing can be, so when, you know, God's always at a 10, uh, you understand know, know what I'm saying? I, I'm not trying to, you know, God's at a, a million, whatever. You know what I'm saying? In other words, so we couldn't say that we hold all the variables if God woke up one morning and he was an eight. Are you see what I'm saying? You know, if, if, um, in the world and, and, you know, one morning God wakes up and he's like, look, guys, I'm just a five today. I, you know, y'all going to have to. <laughs> Y'all better be careful. As a matter of fact, you may not even want to get behind the wheel of a car today, okay? Just let, let me get through this and give me a couple of days and then we'll get some angels back operating and stuff and see if we can't get this, you know. There's no partial shutdown in heaven. There's a partial government shutdown, I understand, right? None of that, see? So, in other words, that's what it means he's always at the peak of his glory. He's always a 10. He's never a 7, 8, 9, 5, 3, never. 10, always. So, we hold not not some of the variables, not most of the variables, all of the variables. Amen? Now, I want to talk to you for a minute or two about God's will. And there is a, praise God. This, I've had so many people get upset with me for saying this, all right? I'm not trying to make you upset. I'm trying to bless you, okay? I'm not, I'm not trying to frustrate you tonight. But 
Revelation chapter 19. I'm looking for this in my, in, in my uh, notes here, and I don't know why I can't find it. Here we go. Revelation 19 and 6. And I heard, as it were, the voice of a great multitude, the sound of many waters, the sound of mighty thundering, saying, Hallelujah, for the Lord God omnipotent reigns. The Lord God omnipotent reigns. Alright, now listen to me please. I'm trying to expand your thinking tonight. I'm not trying to offend it. Here's the statement. You ready? I'm going to spit it out. God is not sovereign. He is omnipotent. Sovereign can mean different things. It can mean different things to different people. I'll tell you what it means to most Christian people. When they say God is sovereign, they're saying, you never know what God's going to do. You never know how He's going to respond. You never know. God is His word of his name. So when God speaks, He doesn't just expect you to about what He says and He'll do whatever He wants. To prefer His word above His name means He also submits Himself to His word. This is, this is how we can have fellowship with an all powerful God. This is how we can trust an all-powerful God because He cannot lie. I heard Bill Winston say it this way. God could walk in this church on a Sunday and say, today, well, because He's an all-powerful God, He didn't lie when He said it was Tuesday. When He said it was Tuesday, guess what day it just became? It just became Tuesday. He's all-powerful, Right? He's an all-powerful God. So, when He gives us His Word, it's so that we can know that what He says, He will do. Amen. When we talk about this concept by definition, Sovereign speaks of someone who exercises supreme authority, but in a limited sphere. Come on now, I'm, I feel somebody back in my like, man, we were doing so good. I'm not trying to drop a bomb, I'm trying to... ...less than He really is. God is not sovereign, you're sovereign, He's omnipotent. Sovereign speaks of someone who exercises supreme authority in a limited sphere. A sovereign nation. You ever heard that expression? A sovereign nation, for instance, is a classic example. Autonomy is a key factor in sovereignty. A sovereign nation 
is able to make their own laws and govern themselves according to the government they have in place. Canada does not tell us how to do our business here in the United States of America, and we don't tell them. They're a sovereign nation. They have supreme authority in the limited sphere that is Canada. We are a sovereign nation. We have supreme authority in the limited sphere that Powerful, omnipotent, is all-powerful, sovereign, your own life. You face of God, send yourself straight to hell with him begging you and dying for you and bleeding naked for you to try to get you to do different. But if you refuse, if you refuse, you understand what I'm saying? So when we talk about this, this whole concept of God being sovereign, see, a lot of times when you hear people use that, it's, it's not in this sense of, oh, you know, sovereign God, you know, we, we worship you like out of reverence. It's, it's, well, you never know why that happened, but God is sovereign. We just kind of throw that out there. You know, like, well, you know, it's, it's God's will. No, it wasn't God's will. It wasn't God's will. If it's still and killing and destroying, it isn't God's will. Amen. Are you seeing this? Oh, thank you, Jesus. All right, let me get Romans chapter 12. Romans 12 and, um, amen. Romans 12, let's look at verse 1. I didn't have verse 1 in my, are you getting anything out of this tonight? So, we must submit our sovereignty to His omnipotence. Are you understand what I'm saying here? We, we must take this ability that we have to make our own choices and authority, recognizing Him as an unlimited sphere. Amen. Alright, if you still want to say He's sovereign, that's just between you and the Lord, okay? I'm just saying. Alright. Romans chapter 12, verse 1. I beseech you therefore, brethren, by the mercies of God, that you present your bodies. Who present whose body? You present yours. A living sacrifice, holy, acceptable to God, which is your reasonable service. He's talking about something you choose to do or something you choose not to do. Not be... That you may the will of God. Alright? Now, a lot of times when we look at this verse right here, and, um, and listen, I'm, I'm myself. I'm not trying to, again, pick on anybody. If you've done this, amen, let's just learn and move on. Alright? But there are a lot of people who go to this verse, and since most sermons, and have three points. There's a sermon or a lesson that's taught 
about the three degrees or the three levels of God's will. And, and it's, it's looked at incorrectly, by the way, but it's looked at like, well, you can be in the acceptable will of God, or you can be in the good will of God, which is better than acceptable, but somewhere in between acceptable and perfect. Right? So it's like these three degrees of God's will, acceptable, good, and perfect, and so we all want to be in the perfect will of God. Okay? And so if we're not in the perfect will of God, we say, well, you know, I'm not in His perfect will, but you know, it's, kind of like, it's kind of like we've got this whole idea you know, that we can justify doing our own thing and it just being good or acceptable. You know, where we're kind of partially doing God's thing. And so we don't qualify for the perfect will of God, but, you know, I mean, we got what we want from Him and we got what we want from the world and ourselves, and so we've got this kind of hybrid thing going on. No, no, no. will not be for you. What we have here in the original language, in the Greek, are three adjectives all describing the single will of God for your life. Okay? And so when he calls the will of God um, good and acceptable well-pleasing. This word good means well-pleasing. What God desires for you is going to not just be well-pleasing for Him, but it's going to be well-pleasing for you. You're going to be satisfied in the will of God. Amen. You, you, you want to be for your pleasing. Now, it's a, it, I could give you a much longer definition, but I'm, I'm trying to to capture something here that you can internalize, all right? So when he says that it's well-pleasing, then also this word acceptable, fish, building something here. We see that the will of God for your life, what He desires for your life, is first of all well-pleasing for both Him and you. It's also... Um, Beneficial. Do you understand beneficial? Everything is possible all things. So the will of God for your life is well pleasing, it's beneficial. And then this word perfect, it means full circle or complete, or you could say it this way, all acceptable perfect will of God. It's not like God has a will for your life where this part of your life is concerned, but He, he left out the other parts. It's not that He has a will, uh, you know, a plan, a purpose for your life where the big things are concerned, but He's left out the details. No, no, no. The all-encompassing. Every detail, every season, every big decision, every small decision, everything in between, God has a plan and a purpose for your life. 
His will for your life, again, is well-pleasing, beneficial, all-encompassing. Now notice the context of, of this teaching, of, of these instructions, is for you to present your body. That's a what? A variable, right? Being present is a variable. Present and accounted for, showing up, presenting your... I think there's something to that, right? No, it's just one thing we're all excited, can't wait to worship, man. We had a long day, tired, maybe got a crick in our neck, boss chewing us out, spent too much money on Christmas, you know, kicked the dog, got through a temper tantrum, whatever, you know. And now all of a sudden it's like, man, I don't feel like worshiping. Well, it's going to count double if you worship now, right? Sacrifice. Your body a living sacrifice. Amen. You're, you're pushing through know what you're supposed to do and ain't a whole lot of emotion and feeling in it, but you're doing it anyway. You know what I'm saying? You start out that, that Bible reading plan and, and then you get to all those genealogies and all those names you can't pronounce and it's like, man, oh, whatever. You know what I'm saying? And those, but you push through it. Are you hearing me? You get to Leviticus and you're like, man, Leviticus, are you kidding me, right? Yeah, we're going to read Leviticus. Amen. And you push through it. You understand what I'm saying? You say, I don't know what I got out of that. Let me tell you what you got out of that. It's something called character, and you can't go to a grocery store and buy it. Amen. Amen. You see what I'm saying here? So this, this idea that, that this variable of presenting your body a living sacrifice, amen, holy and acceptable to God, so that what? And don't be conformed to this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind, letting Him work and, and recondition uh, the way you think, so that you may prove. I call it. I like to say it this way: a living sacrifice becoming living proof of a living God. You ever thought? And the Bible certainly bears this out. I could give you a lot of scriptures. I'm just going to make the statement. All right, that God wants to prove not only that He exists through you, but He wants to prove that He is good through you. He wants to prove that He is rich through you. He wants to prove that He is kind. Through you, He wants to prove about a lost and dying world, and He wants to prove it through you and me. Well pleasing, beneficial, all encompassing will of God for your life. Amen. 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 Which part? Sacrifice becoming living proof of a living God. I don't have another hand of a living. I stick my leg out. Amen. Praise God. Amen. That's, that's it. Earth, the Bible says now it's time for the image of God that we bear the image of the heavenly in our lives. Amen. Proving it. Proving it. Amen. Proving that God's ways are the best ways. Proving that God is right. The, that the joys of salvation are greater than the pleasures of sin. Proving! Amen! Proving it! <laughs> Hallelujah! <laughs> Amen. Without the hand motions this time. <laughs> Living sacrifice. 
living proof of a living God. Amen? A living God. See, He said for us, He said for us to not bear His image in stone and wood. Right? In, in metal. No, no, no. Because He's not a wood, stone, metal God. He's a living, breathing God created you and me in His image, in His likeness to bear His image. This is why He says that when we... Jesus' first message, most important message ever preached, right? Sermon on the Mount. He says if you only speak to people who speak to you, what do you do any different than anybody else? If you only are kind to people who are kind to you, what do you do different than anybody else? He said, but if you love somebody who, who doesn't love you back, if you're nice to somebody who treats you ugly, if, if, if you show a blessing to someone who curses you, off the old block, you, you're just like your Father in Heaven and you'll be complete like He's complete. Amen, you see, right? How do we do that? Living sacrifice. You can't, you can't do your own thing and, and do that. Amen. Well, six, Galatians 5, 6, I believe, or 6, somewhere in, somewhere in the end of Galatians. How about that? Amen. Praise God. Well, uh, amen. I'm looking to just tear off down this road for the next, I don't know, we preached almost a year on this on Wednesday nights here at Heritage, but you know, you speak with tongues of men and angels, don't have love, you're just making noise, man. You're just a nuisance. You know, I mean, you just go on and on and on and on. Not just have these things, but like, you know, all these things that we think Christianity is all about to their ex the most extreme version, giving your body to be burned, you know, all that you have to the poor, all, you know, these extreme versions, but no love. He said, you know, you're just taking up space. Amen. Because God is love. Remember we said that a moment ago. And so it, that's why if love there that Jesus talked about is agape. Love is an act of the will. Love, not warm, fond, affectionate feelings. That's philo. Agape is when you love somebody and, and intentional, deliberate act even when you don't have the feelings in your heart. Amen. Oh man, that's how Father loves, right? That's how Father loves. He's, he, Bible, Jesus said it this way, He makes the sun shine on the just and the unjust, rain to fall on the just and the unjust. Because again, in Romans He says that it's the goodness of God that will bring people to repentance. Repentance is again the renewing of the mind, a new, a new way of thinking. Praise God. Oh, amen. So who has all the variables? See, we do. All of these things are variables. Now, if you don't understand that, if you don't understand that, what winds up happening is we, we're playing variables and we don't even realize that, that you know, we're inserting attitudes and words and, and actions into our life equation that are producing all kinds of negative results on the back end. Well, praise God. It's empowering. Amen? This isn't, a, this isn't a, you know, like a bummer. Yes, sir. Um, I don't know if it was in here or if it was in the service, but he was talking about how if the enemy can't kill you, um, he'll attack your character. And I know for myself that I learned how to lie by listening to the devil. I learned how to manipulate by listening to the manipulator. I learned how to 
uh, deceived by listening to the deceiver. And so it works both ways. Like you can bear Satan's image in this world, or yeah. you can bear your father's yeah. image in this world. Sure. And, but, and then so sometimes I myself, well, God, how do I do that? How do I bear your image? And if I, if I just look back at where the enemy's tipped his hand, where he is I have the opportunity to bear my father's image. Amen. Amen. The folks at home are going to get upset, but there's no way I can say all that over again. Amen. But praise God. I'll try to repeat it just briefly. What he's saying is that in the same way we can bear our father's image and his character in the earth, we can also bear, remember Jesus even said it, he said, you're of your father the devil. And, and, you know, and so we can, we can bear the image of, of the enemy uh, in the earth. Um, he said that he learned how to lie and manipulate from the master liar and manipulator, um, and, and that's the enemy. But see, we learn truth from our Father. We learn love from our Heavenly Father. We learn mercy and grace from our Heavenly Father. We love kindness and joy uh, from our Heavenly Father. We learn justice from our Heavenly Father. There's no justice in the, in the world system, amen? But there's justice with our God, amen, and, and he abundantly pardons. And so, again, we, you could go on and on with these things. Remember this, okay? Um, Satan has set up, a, a false kingdom in this earth, okay? And, and he runs that kingdom. That kingdom, I have a little different opinion than some. Some say that it, it's fueled by sin. In, in other words, if, just think, if everybody on planet Earth would collapse because it's, he needs people to be a part of that system and, and to be greedy and, and, and to, do all, to, to keep it afloat. Okay? Well, to me though, it's, it's, it's not just sin that runs that system. It's selfishness. Because all sin is just an act of selfishness. Doing what? Self. Self. Okay? But see, Father's kingdom is run what? By love. Right? His kingdom is built upon Jesus and His demonstration of love and and so, you know, we, we said this before, you know, we, we were talking about reconciliation and the renewing of the mind and coming into agreement with God. You said, well, where in the world do you even begin? Well, we said we begin with what am I, who am I, why am I? And if we get those three fundamentals, it's going to clear up a whole lot of these, you know, uh, all these different issues and things in our lives. And it's going it's to knock out an overwhelming majority um, of them. We'll talk about the five appetites later, and you get your thinking straight where those are concerned, and then you at that point, okay? Um, so, you know, when we, we start talking about, you know, oh my gosh, you know, how all these things, how do we please God? What do, just love, right? You know, Jesus came to make it simple for us. All those uh, commandments, ordinances, hundreds and hundreds of them. Jesus said you can fulfill every one of them you know, by loving God with all your heart, soul, mind, and strength. Love your neighbor as yourself. He said on this hang all the law and the prophets. Okay? And so I heard it explained this way, right? If, if you had a curtain rod, it, 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 you know, it... So love God with all your heart, soul, mind, and strength. Love your neighbor as yourself. On those two things hang in the law and the prophets. If we let one, one drop, right, boom, then they all 
fall, right? But those two will hold up every one of those commandments, right? Jesus, again, He came to make it simple for us. But it's not just... It's kind of back to that whole divorce question in, or comments that we had earlier and, and, and not... Um, you know, the letter kills, spirit gives life. It's not just that, you know... Love, love. God's not like it's. It's back to what Aaron was saying. We're reflecting our Father's character, His nature, His 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 image, His love. It's who He is. Love will one day rule this planet. Amen. Jesus will come and sit on the throne and rule this planet with with a fist of love. Amen. And it's going to be a beautiful thing. It's going to be a beautiful thing. Did I see a hand back there, Grady? Indeed means in action and in truth. So truth love, true love, truth love is, is there's action behind it. It's not just words, right? Words are important, but it's got to be something behind it. Yes. Absolutely. I think the first works were just loving Jesus and telling people about him. And 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 that's where, if you think about it, that's where the church, we we start building every kind of program and this and that, and and for you know it, man, Jesus has become, you know, a side issue. I, um, it's been I don't know how many years ago. Um, my my wife, she had seen a book on one of the Christian television programs called the Jesus Manifesto. And she told me about the book. She says, I, I, I just really feel like that's a book you ought to read. I, I, it just seemed like something that you would, you know. And I, it's not like she does that all the time. You know, I mean, it's kind of a rare thing. And um, as the Lord is my witness, I don't, I don't remember exactly how. It wasn't very long thereafter. Um, Michelle Heinz, Pastor Bill's wife, walked into a director's meeting. And she said, Pastor Mark, I just felt so impressed to buy you this book. And she handed me that book, The Jesus Manifesto. Well, I have, um, I don't, again, I'm not trying to exaggerate it. I don't know how many times I've read it, somewhere between one and two, but I've listened to it three, maybe four times, and, and I started listening to it again on, uh, on Sunday, um, Audible book. And, and it's basically, the, the idea is that um, the church drifts away from our Savior, our Lord, the head of the church, Jesus, right? We get so caught up in doing all these other things and um, and he and he talked about it. It's sad to me, you know. He's the the number of sermons that you can listen to, and Jesus is maybe mentioned once or twice. He goes through the writings of Paul, like in some of Paul's letters, like the first twenty verses, Jesus is mentioned twenty-two times. The first the first ten verses, Jesus is mentioned twelve times. The first, you know, in other words, he was the center of of everything and and all of that. And um, over time, the church gets caught up in sometimes even doing good things, but Jesus is no longer, you know, at the at the center of it, at the heart of it, right? Um, just there's a lot that Father has for all of us to do for Him. Um, just just remember though, what He desires most from all of us is our fellowship. Um, he wants your heart. He wants your love and affection. He wants you to make 
a relationship with Him on His terms of priority in your life. Amen. Um, I stepped out of the shower the other morning, and, and, and it's just been a long week, and I had another pretty long day ahead of me. And, and man, just the Lord said something that just changed my life. He said, he said, going and loving people is what we do together for fun. Amen. We just go do it for fun, right? And 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 because again, it's very easy, especially as a pastor, you get so caught up in all the things that you do, and 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 really, if if Jesus isn't doing it with me, then it's all for nothing, really. If, if it's you see what I'm saying, and so just keeping him, I think, at the center, allowing him that 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 place in our hearts and in our lives. Um, we we talked about this in the early classes, class number one as a matter of fact, Paul talked about his walk with the Lord and, and his ministry as an extension of that. And, um, you know, all effective ministry is an extension of your personal walk with the Lord. Um, we've probably all at least experienced ministry from people who, um, well, I heard it said this way many, many years ago when I was a teenager, you know, he's talking about ministers who loved crowds but really didn't care much for people, right? <laughs> loved crowds but hated people. You know, it's like, don't bother me, you know, and stuff. So, and, and man, that just wasn't Jesus, right? If, if anything, it was just the opposite. Jesus was trying to, to, to meet the needs of the crowd so he could go spend the time with the people who really wanted to spend time with them. Yes, sister. how she was this and she was that and everything was just going great she says and then the first family member came home from school then somebody came for you know in other words then it's like other people in the house with her now we got other folks to deal with right but that's amen but we were created for God and for other people amen praise God oh thank you Jesus we must surrender our sovereignty to conform to this world. See, we, we are here to change this world. Um, and it's sad that so many people um, in the body of Christ today, uh, the world, they are upon the world in which we've been left um, to bear God's image. 2 Corinthians chapter 4, verse 4. Um, I'll give you a minute to turn there. I know I'm trying to get to a certain point this evening, but we're not going to get there anyway, so we'll just give you a minute, all right? 2 Corinthians chapter 4, verse 4. I want you to see this verse. It's, it's really important. I've already put it up on the screen. But um, it, it keys us into something here that, um, that we really need to see. All right? 2 Corinthians 4, chapter 4, verse 4. It says, Whose minds the God of this age has blinded, who do not believe, lest the light of the gospel of the glory of Christ, who is the image of God, should shine on them. And that word age there is the word eon, um, and is translated other places, the God of this world. Amen. So he's not just talking about the, the cosmos, the, the, um, the actual dirt clod that is um, this uh, giant sphere we're living on. 
but he's talking about this age, you know, this the age in which we live. Amen. That Satan is the lowercase g o d um, of it, and he has blinded people to the truth. Now, how did he become God, lowercase g o d of this world? It's it's when Adam turned that over to him. Remember, God gave it to Adam, and then Adam gave it over to the enemy. When Jesus was tempted by the devil, the devil showed him all the kings of this world and told. Jesus, if you just bow to me, I'll give them to you right now. And, you know, some people say, well, the devil was lying. You know, we can't, we can't trust him. Well, if the devil was lying, Jesus would have known it because he was the truth made flesh, right? Um, and it would not have been a temptation, and so Jesus is just participating in a, in, a, in a whole sham here. So it had to be the devil's to give. And, of course, we see it here that he's the God of this age. Amen. Now, how about this, John 17. Let me just go through a few verses right here. John 17, 15, and 16. I do not pray that you should take them out of the world, but that you should keep them from the evil one. They are not of the world, just as I am not of the world. So we're here to make a difference in this world. Amen. And, um, and we represent our Father Creator. Amen. All right, I got, uh, I got about... 10 more minutes. Can y'all believe it's already almost 6.30? Amen. Time's flying, okay? But let, me, let me at least set this next one up and, um, and then we'll be in a really good spot for next week, okay? Alright, so um, let's, let's review again right quick. We're answering again the question, what is man? Number one, we said man is a God-class being. Number two, man is a spirit being. Number three, man is a legal authority on earth. And over the years, I've changed the wording on this so many times, but we're just going to kind of go with it, all right? Number four, man is a being created in the likeness of God. Man is a being created in the image and likeness of God. Man is a being created in the image and likeness of God. That phrase, matter of fact, we've already said it a couple times tonight, created in the image and likeness of God. Look at the verses where we see this in Genesis 1. We're not going to turn back there right now. But just to refresh your memory, um, image and likeness means that we were created by God to not only look like He looks, but to function the way He functions. Okay, And so we spent, again, when we talked about being a God-class being, when there was none comparable. God created us comparable to Himself. Um, for the purpose of, of fellowship and oneness with us, okay? Um, so, what we're going to do, though, with this one, and you'll kind of understand why I made them about rewording this so many times, is we're going to look at a whole different side of the coin. Um, and, and that is, because we were created in the image and likeness of God to look like He looks, God has... Two hands, four fingers, and a thumb on each, okay? He has two ears, two eyes, one nose, one mouth, right? That's why we have two ears, two eyes, one nose, one mouth, okay? Uh, God has a chin, backside, neck, head, hair, feet, toes, amen. And so we were created with that same, we could say, body structure, if you will. But it doesn't just mean that we were created to look like He looks, but also we're created to function like He functions. So... Being, we are the only God has created in 
likeness. Um, and remember, he gave us dominion and authority over all the works of his hands, which includes angels. Okay? Now, because we were created by God, this we're getting to the good part now. I mean, all that's good, but we're getting to the heart of what I'm trying to cover, okay? Because we were created by God in the image and likeness of God, we possess, you possess, certain characteristics and abilities that exist. Again, you were created by God in His image and in His likeness. Because of that, you possess certain that exist nowhere else in creation other than God. In other words, God has these characteristics and abilities, and you have these characteristics and abilities. Alright? Now, we're going to explain them. We're going to go through a, a list of maybe around five of them, I guess. Are very powerful and have tremendous impact on life in general and your life in particular. And of this evening is our ignorance is Satan's advantage. Our ignorance is Satan's advantage. Now I'm going to jump way ahead of myself, but let me give you just a taste of what before I do a little more explaining. Okay, one of these. Matter of fact, it's number five on my list. Not because it's like fifth in rank, but because you'll see as we work through the list why it's number five. We have the ability to speak. Okay? We, you ever heard that expression, hiding in plain sight? I was looking for the church's video camera the other day, and it's usually on Pastor Rick's desk. I went in his office. Laugh at me now, laugh at me later, laugh at me now and later. Okay, I went in there three times. Three times. The third time, I was just fixing to call him. I'm like, man, I know nobody stole that camera, but it's got to be here somewhere. I done looked, looked, looked. Third time, went in his office, right there on the corner of his desk. Right? It was hiding in plain sight. Okay? Now, I'm not trying to throw him under the... These characteristics, don't be expecting something you've never heard of. Okay? These are things that are central and critical to your everyday function. Alright? But what is often hidden from us and misunderstood by us is the tremendous power, weight, and influence these things carry. I'm not going to have time to do it tonight, but I'm going to show you in the Word of God that whatever you said yesterday has shaped the life that you're living today. And that whatever you're saying today is charting the course that your life will follow in the future. And that if you never change what's coming out of your mouth, you will never change the life that you live. But see, so many folks, they're clueless to this. They have no idea. They think they can say whatever they want to say, anytime they want to say it. And if it offends somebody, we'll just make a joke out of it, say we were kidding, or ask them to uh, forgive us, whatever. As we never, we clueless, so many people clueless to the power of words. The Bible says, death and life are in the power of your tongue. See, we, we try to say it's God. No, no, it's you. It's your tongue. Yes, sister.
Yeah, it's absolutely. Because it, 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 for a lot of reasons, for the camera, doesn't it say that we shouldn't say something and then say, I'm just kidding, whatever. Okay. And, and so it's for a lot of reasons. And, and one, people that are watching, they're like, we didn't hear what they said, Pastor Mark. We have no. So I was supposed to say that. Okay, all right now. So the, the, the idea behind that is, is multiple things. One, joking and jesting. Um, certainly, we've all been offended by people who were just kidding, okay? But, but one of the biggest strategies that the enemy works or tries to work in our lives is for our words to have no value to ourselves. For, for your words to mean nothing to you. For, you know, that's why we tell ourselves all the time, I'm going to do this. We make these New Year's resolutions. Man, the devil's like it's like setting it up on a t-ball for the you know t-ball tee for the devil. When you say, I'm to carry any weight that we ever. Three, and we'll get there. Oh, okay. uh, Rudder of a ship, bit in a horse's mouth, and a spark sets on fire. Um, amen. You can see how many pages I done skipped. We're gonna... James 3, 2 through 12. How about this, though, while we're there, all right? Listen to James 3 and 2 rather quickly, okay? For we all stumble in many things. If any he is a perfect man, able to bridle the whole body. Anybody besides me use a little more self-control? The key to self-control is word control. If you, can, if you can control what you say, you can control all of this. Amen. Is our own words, our, our own speech. That's why the devil wants you obsessed with death. To how many times death makes its way into your daily conversations randomly? That banana pudding is to die for. Man, you're killing me! Right? Oh, I love her to death. Right? Death, death, dying, dying, death, dying, dying, death. Right? What in the world? Oh, Pastor Mark, there ain't nothing to that. Well, just keep on saying it then. Are you, are you following what I'm saying? Amen. Alright, so when we talk about these characteristics, we're, we're talking about things that are extremely powerful, that are meant to be a blessing to you, that are meant to be, for instance, a weapon. Your words were, were our weapon, okay? But they were never meant to be a weapon, um, you know, to hurt or to wound um, a spouse, a parent, a child, a co-worker, right? Our words were meant to be used precisely to affect things, to change things, to produce things. Jesus 
living, breathing laboratory in this on, on earth. And all these different object lessons that He gave us in, 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 in specifically teaching us on, on the words that we speak and the power of those words. And so, I'm, I'm, I want to teach you on that. We'll get there next week. But let me, let me, in just a couple of minutes I've got left, okay? What we have to understand as we work our way through these different characteristics, these different attributes, is that they are both dynamic and interactive. Now, and I did it again, I've done it for years, and I sat there in front of my computer for a time today trying to figure out a better way to say this. The concept behind something being dynamic, the opposite of dynamic is static, okay? So think about, think a rock. A rock is static, okay? You know, unless somebody picks it up and throws it. All right, but, you know, so, a, you know, it's just something that just sits there. It's, it's not alive. It's not doing anything. It's not producing anything, okay? Well, these attributes are dynamic, okay? I get, don't try to write this down. I'm just trying to give you an overview tonight. I, I feel compelled to plant some of this. I'll, I will put it up on the board, okay, uh, next week, okay? But something that is dynamic the last phrase in the definition is an underlying cause. An underlying cause. So, again, the idea is because these characteristics are dynamic, they, they are causing things in your life, but yet they're an underlying cause. You don't readily connect you know, what you say with the way that you're living. We, we don't realize that, but yet, again, dynamic. But then also, we see are interactive. So, I, give, I gave you number five, I give you number one. Number one is our ability to think, reason, and form opinions. Okay? So, notice now that how we think is this one, again, God characteristic, God attribute that we possess by being created in His image and likeness. Okay? How powerful is that? As a man thinks in his heart, so is he. Your behavior will always line up with your opinion of yourself. That's an underlying cause, right? We don't realize, man, that what we think about ourselves has anything to do with the way we behave. But yet, He says, your ways are not my ways because your thoughts are not my thoughts. You're not living like God created you to live because you're not thinking like God created you to think. Amen. So, that's what we mean by that. But does, yes. Oh, think, reason, form opinion. Okay? Form opinions. Interactive. Reckon how we think, reason, and form opinions has any influence these things individually, each one of them are extremely powerful, extremely impactful on our lives. But when you understand each one of these dynamic in its own way, but then when you bring them all together and, and, and how... This, listen, this is the power that created the universe! Yeah. That He 
not say let there be light? Did he not put some forethought into it before he yeah, all of this? Yes. Right? Was there not agreement? That's another one agreement. Don't try to make the list. I'm just telling you. Right? So, again, we see that these are the, the factors in, in what created and formed and holds together this thing we call the universe. And God put those same characteristics and abilities in you and me. Not for the devil to hijack them and use them to curse you, but for, for them to become very powerful and influential um, things in your life. Okay? So, I said it a moment ago, and that's, that's one of the things that I use to... It has to meet this criteria. If you never change what you say, then nothing will ever change in your life. If you never change what you think, then no matter how hard you try, your life reality will never change if your thinking changes. Now, how you want it, how hard you wish it, how hard you will it. I mean, if, if you won't let God help you change what you're saying, nothing will ever be different in your life reality. Okay? Talking to me is very powerful and some very... All right. Um, wow. Let's pray. Father, you're good to us and we love you. We thank you for this time together this evening. We thank you for the things that you're showing us, things that you're helping us, Lord, connect with and understand. Father, we've covered a lot of but Lord, we're not relying upon our meat computer to process all this, Father, but we're relying on your truth, Father, and, and, and help us not only to remember it, Lord, but most importantly, to help us apply lives, Lord, to Father. And so, Father, that's what we're asking you for tonight and as we cooperate with you, Lord, um, in these things, Lord. Um, Lord, for the effort, the, the, the variable, Lord, that, um, that was this evening, that, that is the service tonight, Lord, and, and um, the things, Lord, that, that you've been laying on our heart. Lord, they're not just resolutions, Father. You're speaking to people in this room about things that you have for them to do differently like you spoke to me this morning. And so, Father, it's not just a It's your Holy Spirit directing us. Sovereign, submit ourselves to your omnipotence. We thank you for your mercy. In Jesus' name, I said, Amen and good.